CAH Pulse is developed by CARES Foundation to educate and connect the CAH community. Since our guests aren't scripted and are free to speak their minds, their views and opinions do not necessarily reflect the views and policy of CARES Foundation. Now, we hope you enjoy the podcast. Made possible by Neurocrine Biosciences. You deserve brave science. Hello and welcome to CAH Pulse. I'm Stephanie Erb. I'm an actress, but I also happen to be a parent of a child with classical CAH. And I'm here with Dina Matos, the executive director of the CARES Foundation. How are you today, Dina? I'm great. Thanks, Stephanie. I can't believe this is our fourth episode. Super exciting. CH is a rare genetic disorder that affects the adrenal glands. Patients can't produce cortisol on their own, so they need daily medication to live a typical life. And it can be life-threatening in the event of illness or injury. So it's important that patients have good care. Dina, I, for one, am so grateful that you asked me to co-host this podcast because I think CAH Pulse is offering a real service to people who are dealing with CAH. And it's also fascinating. Why did you decide to do this in the first place? Well, I decided to to do the podcast because, you know, I interact with patients and caregivers on a regular basis, and there are some incredible stories, heartwarming stories, sad stories, but also stories of, you know, courage and resilience. We want people to share their stories so that others know that they're not alone and that there's a community out there that understands them and is there to support them. And I I think sharing those stories is so important and so powerful. There are many, many rare disorders. I feel like it's a great example to set for anybody dealing with something where there's not a lot of knowledge. Absolutely. These stories that we share are not necessarily unique to CAH. I'm sure that other families and patients who are living with a rare condition, one that does not currently have a cure, can relate to some of these stories and the challenges and the triumphs that our guests have shared. I think it's really priceless information if you're dealing with something like CAH. And we've already had some great feedback from people who are so grateful that our guests have shared their stories. You know, they they give people hope and they provide for them a sense of community. They know that there are others who share the same experiences and can absolutely relate. It's been fun, and I've learned a lot. Some wonderful people already, and I love our guest today. Joey's great. So Joey is a 19-year-old with classic CAH, and today he's going to talk about you know what it's like to transition to be responsible for himself and uh, that transition to college, which is so important. College, yes. I mean, I think that's a thing that terrifies most parents. Even if you don't have a kid with CAH, it's somewhat terrifying to send your kid away from home to fend for themselves. So even when I'm talking to a CAH parent of a little tiny kid, they're like, what about college? Forget sleepovers. Forget going to elementary school. It's already worrying about adulthood transitions. Exactly. Right. And we're going to see from our guest today how his particular path has prepared him for being an adult. Hey, Joey, thanks for joining us today. Of course, I'm happy to be here. So uh, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? 
All right, I am. My name is Joey. Um, I'm 20 years old. Uh, I'm currently in college at Duke University, uh, where I'm majoring in mechanical engineering. Um, I have classical CAH, and I'm generally a happy person. I love to hear that. That's great. Mm-hmm. Joey, what was it like for your family to adjust to the fact that you won't be at home anymore when, you know, a lot of times, and I know this as a parent of a CAH kid, you have to teach everybody around your child how to watch out for emergencies and uh, adrenal crises and things like that. I was just wondering, was your mother nervous about it? Were your parents freaked out? What was it like? Yeah, so there was definitely a lot of nerves going in. My case may be a special one because I'm very close to home. So if I really needed help, my parents could be here in in 30 minutes. And I'm also five minutes away from a great hospital that I've been seeing doctors in for my entire life. Excellent. So in that regard, I'm sure that helped with calming nerves of my family. But there's certainly some parts of college that you can't really wish away. I'm still on my own here. So a lot of the nerves came with adjustment to a new environment and being able to advocate for myself and know when I need help. Also, you know, just simple things like being able to communicate with the RA, like what CAH is, where my injection would be, God forbid, talking with my roommate, making sure he knows what CAH is. So There was a lot of stress in the way that, like, this was something that the family had never done before. Now I have two older sisters who had both moved into college before me. So really, the the special part about me was the CAH. Yes. So, Joey, like, how did you start that conversation with, one, with the RA and then, I guess, the, the medical team? So can you talk a little bit about that? And what did you say to your roommate? How did you explain CAH? Yeah, a big part of CAH, when I try to tell someone about it is um, one, understanding that they're most definitely not going to know what it is. Uh, And two, I don't want to, I don't want to scare anyone because it can sound scary to be like, hey, I have this condition that if I don't properly treat it, I could be in serious trouble. And so you don't want to lead with that. Um, In regards to the RA, it's all, I, I always try to make sure that they know that I'm a person who, who knows how I feel and when I know things may be going south and to not worry and that most likely they won't have to deal with it at all. But just in the case that they do, here is what should be done. Here's where the things are. And the RAs are, they, they receive training for things like this. I like to liken it to, I mean, it's not the same, but to like diabetes or, or similar conditions. I always would tell my kids, teachers, it's like diabetes, but more complicated and you yeah. haven't heard of it. True, true. So I was curious, did you have to make a trip, Joey, to the medical center when you first arrived at school just so everyone could get acclimated to what CAH is? Yeah, I didn't have to make a physical trip, but I did have to make a phone call to like campus health and tell them what it was. What I remember from that phone call is they sort of didn't understand why I was doing it, which was a little disheartening. But I mean, after a little bit of push, they were receptive. And I'm lucky because my endocrinologist is at Duke. Like, it was very easy to sort of transfer the paperwork of here is who Joey is. As a freshman, I had to call the the student. um, They handle academic accommodations and stuff. And 
I had to call them pretty early on because they sort of like to get the ball rolling with accommodations for the professor's sake. And it was a little scary because I didn't really have any guidance with that. Everyone tells you where like you do laundry and where you eat during orientation, but they don't exactly tell you where to get your academic accommodations from. But when I did finally get on a call and had a meeting with the office, they were very receptive and they were all they asked for was just a note from my endocrinologist. And I haven't had to like call them back since and everything's been straight straight away. That's great. Now, did you have like every CH kid has a certain number of adrenal crises where shots are required? Did you have a lot of those in your lifetime thus far or were you fairly low on the schematic there? Mm hmm. It's kind of an interesting question because I don't really know what, what you know what is high and what is low. I I don't I wouldn't consider myself that number to be high. So I would say like having had to do five shots in your lifetime. Oh yes. Or something that's very low. Yes. But some people are sick a lot and run high fevers mm-hmm. and um, yeah. you know that makes it also a little scary even to send your kid to kindergarten. True. You know. True. Yeah, I, I wouldn't consider myself sort of overly sickly. So I I wouldn't say I've had had it a lot, but I, you know, I would say if I had to put a number on it, I don't know, maybe like 0.75 every two years or something. There you go. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that's something I always wonder about other CAH families is how often is this shot having to make an appearance? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. We don't talk about it. No. And, and Joey, it's, it's interesting how you said it was frustrating to get to the medical people and impress upon them the importance of having a conversation about mm-hmm. your condition. Um, to Stephanie's point, most doctors, and certainly, you know, we don't expect people in campus health to know anything about CAH unless, you know, they've had another student with, with the condition. So it's great that you persevered. And I think that's the message that we want to get across, you know, a young college student with the assistance of the family, you have to talk to these people and impress upon them the importance of ensuring that mm-hmm. they are fully aware of your condition. And if there's an emergency, you know, somebody needs to take action. Yeah. I think yeah. the other interesting thing about college is what happens in college. People drink alcohol. People get run down from partying or not eating right or studying overnight. And, you know, I always worried about that. Do you have any guidelines on how you approach that collegiate aspect of life? Yeah. The number one thing is trust yourself, because if you feel that something isn't right, something's not right. And that is 100 percent the truth. I always go out with someone who who knows that I have CAH and I've trained some of my friends to do the injection. I don't exactly expect them to know how to do it after one training, but I expect them to have some level of competence to like explain to an EMS what needs to happen. And like the pre-meds are are frothing at the mouth to learn that stuff. So it's (laughs) fine. So yeah, just making sure they're aware of what is happening. Also, Speaking of alcohol, like everyone has a different reaction to alcohol. Right, Just, right. you know, knowing if you're someone who throws up when you drink is important because that is very relevant to CAH and, and dehydration and that sort of deal. And everyone is different. So what one CAH patient says is different from another. So just know yourself. Don't go running into, thank you. <laughs> it can be tempting to do that, um, especially as a freshman when you're in a new place and you're like, I can do whatever I want, but um, yeah, just, just be cautious and know yourself. That's a great guide. 
you know, I've, I've talked to other young adults who their parents have always managed their condition. Mm -hmm. And then once they either move to an apartment on their own or they go off to college, it's like finally they have freedom. They don't mm -hmm. necessarily have to take their medication mm -hmm. or they don't have to worry about it too much. I'm, I'm assuming that's not your case, but I mean, how, how did you approach that? Did you feel like I don't have to worry about my mom, you know, reminding me that I have to take my medication all the time. Yes. I'm a very lucky person because my mom is a nurse. And so since birth, I've been instilled with a take your medicine mindset and my doctors have been the same way. So I'm, I'm pretty good about it. I mean, I have like alarms in my phone with taking it, but yes, I don't have my mom reminding me every day to take it. But on the flip side, when I was still home junior, senior year, she wasn't reminding me then either. So that sort of transition happened pre-college, which definitely helped going into college. So sort of a soft launch of the transition. So can you talk a little bit about that? How was that transitioning not only to going to college, but before that, you know, turning 18 yeah. and going for your doctor's visit the first time? What was that like? Yeah, the transition to like adult care of it. It honestly starts as early as elementary school because elementary school, you have your teacher administering the, the medicine while you're there if you're taking it during school hours. During middle school, that stopped for me. And then high school, you know, you start taking it on your own without people reminding you. As you continue, you just sort of take these baby steps, which is makes the transition a lot easier instead of just, you know, doing it all at once because that can be hard to manage. Personally, I think the best way is to, is to do it bite by bite because it can be overwhelming very quickly. Do you wear a medic alert bracelet? I do. Yes, I do. You do indeed. Well, it's not it's not on your wrist though. So, is <laughs> how often is it on? I take it off while I, I'm on the computer because the sound of metal on metal it just it just upsets me. Uh, good point. <laughs> but yes, I wear it every day. Do you have you ever had a point in your life, maybe during those awful teenage middle years where you were self-conscious about having any kind of medical condition? Yeah. I know my kid went through a thing where it was like, it's nobody's business. I'm normal. The biggest part that upset me was when I would tell my friend's parents and they would get scared. I didn't want anybody to be scared that I was in the room because I'm not a sick person and really there, there shouldn't be any problem. There just is this thing that I live with that could happen. Right. And like I was talking about in elementary school when my teachers would administer um, medication or when I'd have to stay in because it was too hot, my classmates would look at me like this sick person. But um, that was upsetting. And that sort of went away as you get older and start relying less on other people to manage your care and it's less visible to other people. Yeah. I remember one time a friend was like, his mom didn't want me to spend the night at his house because she didn't want to deal with it. And that yeah. that's upsetting at that age. Right. Now, have you had to switch from your pediatric endo to an adult one yet? Mm -hmm. I, I have not had to switch yet just because my pediatric endo is at Duke and like, I'm just going to write it out for the four years and then deal with that later they have i've started getting these questionnaires that are like can you take your own medicine and at the top it's like transitional care what was that a first appointment like after you turned 18 like did you have questions well i wouldn't say it's more i had questions for the doctor it's more the doctor had more questions for me that were more serious like like self-harm stuff and self-management and 
I was like, I'm okay. I'm okay. Like it, it, it was just uh, a little more serious. It just felt there's no more pictures of fish on the drop ceiling in the doctor's office anymore. <laughs> So, yeah. so Joey, what was it like talking to your roommates or, or what do you say to your friends and, and what's their reaction? With my roommate specifically, he's awesome. I told him and he listened and I showed him where everything was and he actually showed an interest instead of an aversion to it um, and wanted to know more, which was very helpful. And I'm very good friends with him too. So when I go out with him, I, I feel safe. Talking with my friends, it's different than when I would do it when I was younger because they feel in themselves that they can handle it. There's a sort of everyone around me is more independent now. And explaining it to people, I still get the confusion part. What is it? I've never heard of that. But it's a lot less fearful and more inquisitive. Can, can you share exactly what you say? I have yes. a condition called congenital adrenal hyperplasia. Or do you say I have adrenal deficiency? Yeah, so I, I will say I have an, a condition called congenital adrenal hyperplasia. And then I'll immediately shorten it to CAH. And then go on and say that my body just can't produce cortisol and aldosterone like yours can. And I'll say that it it affects me day to day and that I have to take medication and that if I get sick, I have to be a little more careful with my care. I have to make sure like I'm drinking water and everything. And there's a possibility that I could go into what's called adrenal crisis. Now, I don't get into the, the phenomena that is an adrenal crisis, but I let them know that it's a dangerous thing and that if that happens, I need an injection that I carry around with me everywhere. And then I like show them the injection and let them see it. And then the questions come, how often have you needed it? And I tell not often. And that's sort of the, the preamble. Joey, do you have any friends either on the internet or anywhere who have classical CAH? It's hard to find, I find. Yes, I've never found one in the wild, but <laughs> through CARES I have met a few. Um, and everyone's always so supportive and cares and, and wonderful. So, yes, I have met a couple people with CH, but either at the NIH or with CARES. Yes. And, and did you find that your siblings took extra care of you or there was more protectiveness from them? Yes. They're older, right? You have older sisters? I have older sisters, yes. Definitely. Especially my middle sister, so the sister closest to my age. I had an incident one time where I, I passed out and sort of hit my head and had a concussion at home. Oh. And she was very like on top of it and called 911 and everything. And she wrote about that when she applied to nursing school. And she's graduating this year to be a nurse. So she's oh, very wow. close. What's her name? Her name is Emma. Emma. Oh, Emma's a great sister. Yeah. Yes. And my, my older sister, Ellie, is also very, very on top of it as well. Very, very, very supportive siblings. Wow. So let me ask you something. Did your decision to go to Duke have anything to do with your CEH and wanting to be close to home? Yes. Yeah, so I only applied to colleges in North Carolina, Duke among them. Now, being a year and a half in, I thought that would be more important to me than it is. I haven't had any issues with CAH while at college. Thank God. That's great. So really the only thing that matters in terms of being close is like laundry and stuff right. <laughs> um, and being able to travel. But I'm sure that if there were, God forbid, to be something that required attention, it would be helpful. But that's not the reason okay. I stayed in North Carolina. Okay. Because I, I was going to ask you, you know, do you regret the decision? Would you have wanted to maybe go elsewhere? No, but 
what is important is like, is there a hospital near the university? That's more right. important than geographical yeah. distance to home because really if I was having an adrenal crisis here, they, it would still take too much time for my parents to get here to help just being next to a hospital. Is right. And, and you feel the dorm is a good place for you to be, or are you going to branch out to an apartment at some point? I don't, I think I'll stay in the dorm for at least next year, just simply because the apartment options here are lacking. Ah. But, um, I, I would certainly feel comfortable being in an apartment too. Cool. So being close to a medical center or to, you know, someone who has knowledge of your condition and then having all the necessary paperwork and materials and instructions that you need Mm -hmm. in the event of an emergency. So with, you know, the RA, your roommate, having your letter from your doctor, having the injection and, you know, talking to someone and instructing them on, you know, what to do, what to look for. sounds like that's the most critical piece of preparing I would say. Do you have any advice for people who are graduating from high school and heading to college who have classical CAH, something that has been really important for you to keep in mind during this, you Mm -hmm. know, pathway to adulthood? Mm -hmm. Definitely call your parents because they are stressed out um, and tell them that you're doing fine because you'll be fine, first of all. Just, I don't know, surround yourself with people who, who care about CAH and recognize it as a important idea, but don't harp over it or anything. Definitely, like I said before, know yourself. Don't go running into whatever party scene and just trust yourself is the biggest thing. Trust yourself. That is great advice. Is there anything you wish you had known before you moved to college that you would have liked, you know, either your parents to prepare you for or your doctor? Um, like I was saying with the accommodations, I, I wish I, this isn't really a, a parents or doctor thing, more of like a university thing. I wish there was more sort of onboarding in that regard because it, I was sort of just thrown in to having to do that. I didn't know who to call. I didn't know what to do. So I just sort of just started Googling around and shot in the dark, found it. So that campus could know that I have CAH and to like just knowing how, like administratively. So the lack of having a process in place for anyone who has, you know, a medical condition. Yeah. There was a lot of where campus health is, here is where mental health resources and stuff, but there wasn't anything for, you know, notifying people that you may have X condition or you may need X accommodations. Well, that's maybe part of the advocacy that you can do, you know, maybe talk to the, to the university and, you know, to the broader group and say, well, this was lacking for me. And, you know, perhaps you should look at having a process, a more formal process in place. Yeah. Yeah. I became an, an orientation leader for this year and one kid during the week that was orientation week did get sick and I like walked them through what bus to take to get to the hospital and everything. So that was rewarding. And that must be also interesting is there are all kinds of atypical conditions people can have when they come to college. Have you met anybody who has something like a diabetes or something? Yes. I've met a lot of people with diabetes here. Funny enough, I, I usually interact with a lot of them at the testing center where like they do alternative testing because we all see each other there. So that's fun. Um, So there's sort of a community. 
Yeah. For people who might not know, can you talk a little bit about that? You know, what you had in, in school of 504 plan that you get extra time for testing? Yeah. So I, I have really the big ones are um, breaks without penalty and access to food and drink and bathroom breaks. They don't want to stop the clock when I do those things. So they just give me extra time. Oh, wow. I also get to test and like we have a testing center so they can facilitate that. That is very helpful. It just kind of reduces stress. You're already stressed about the material. You don't want to stress about, should I eat this granola bar before? You can just bring it in with you. You can bring your water in with you and you don't have to run to the bathroom. You know, you can take your time. And You know, Joey, I think you're a great example of how a person with CAH can have a typical life without having to stress about things overly much just takes a little bit of awareness and some uh self-trust as you brought out and then a few good people around you to help out if you need it yeah definitely support is is very important joey what would you tell a parent of a kid that's applying for college now and getting ready to go to college and leaving home i i would tell them that it's gonna be okay that um There are resources out there to support people who have conditions and that it's okay to be scared, but everything should work out in the end and to just make sure that support is always at the forefront. That's great. That's a wonderful thing to say. And I think, I hope all the parents out there take heart because I know there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear when you're raising a kid with a different situation than you were expecting or that you even understood what it was to begin with. Um, I adopted my child and I had no idea what classical CH was. And uh, it was long enough ago, a little bit before you were born, where there wasn't even as much knowledge as there is now. Much of that thanks goes to CARES, in fact because uh, we are now able to access a lot more information and doctors than we used to be able to. Mm -hmm. And and Joey, what concerns do you have? Do you have any immediate concerns long-term or longer term? In terms of management? Yes. Um, I I don't. I think that I'm in a good place now, and I think I have the people around me who can who can keep that going medically and also advisors and, you know, parents and friends and things. I think, I think I'm through the hard part. That's great. Well, you have just such a wonderful attitude and perspective on, on the whole thing. And I think that's, you know, encouraging for, for others living with CEH, but certainly for parents who are thinking about the young kids going to school for the first time, or there are teenagers who are getting ready to move out and go to college. So also it just really seems like your parents chose to treat it like it was just something you take care of. Mm -hmm. They were not helicopter parents. You are a typical kid. And I think that's a great lesson for all parents. The anxiety doesn't help anything. No, or or wanting to give extra medication or extra shots just because you want to make sure that, you know, they're okay. That's not necessary. It can often cause worse problems. And you don't want to scare the kid to the point where they don't want to go on a play date, they don't want to go out with friends, or they're worried about going to school. Yeah, the helicopter parenting doesn't help. And I see on some of the Facebook sites, parents are like, my kid had a booster and he doesn't feel well. Should I give him the shot? And it's like people who are overreacting and making everything a big deal. And that is not the kind of vibe you want to have around your kid. When I was born, um, my newborn screen didn't come back for quite a while. And so I ended up in the hospital pretty near death. And so my family's 
experience with CH did not start off strong. So I'm happy that my parents, as we talked about, stayed strong and and tried to learn as much as they could because it does get tough sometimes. It's not all perfect. There are some some important things to take care of, but not to let those bog you down. Your parents have done a great job. What a wonderful example of a young adult for us to interview. And and we so appreciate you sharing your experience because I know there are a lot of nervous parents out there. Every August and September, we get a ton of calls or emails from parents asking, how do I prepare my kid? Or the important thing you talked about was having good medical care nearby. So that's an important piece, important part of, of the process of preparing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's all about learning. I felt like the my biggest weapon as a parent was to learn as much as I possibly could to keep my kids safe. And yes, I was scared, but I felt like this is a challenge and everything is going to be okay. And that is exactly what I tell parents I speak to who go, what is this thing? I don't, I don't know what I'm looking at for a future or sleepovers or going swimming, you know, stuff like that. It's it's very basic concerns that really you don't have to be worried about those things. And let, let your kid be a kid. Exactly. Maybe not the kind that jump off cliffs and stuff. Not recommended. No. Right. <laughs> no cliff diving or playing with cobras or things like that. So Joey, any, any advice you have for kids your age or parents? Any advice? I, I would say hang in there. Um, A lot of people ask me what it's like to have CAH and the person I've heard sum it up best is Justice Sonia Sotomayor on the, on the Supreme Court. She has diabetes and I heard her on a podcast once describe what it's like to have it. And I wrote down what she said because it was, it was the best I've ever heard anybody describe it. So can I read it here? Absolutely. Okay. She said this, diabetes is not a disease. It's a condition, and people don't really understand the difference between the two, but it's a condition of my body. I just don't make insulin the way other people do. And I live with diabetes. It's a part of me, but I live with it, not because of it or not in spite of it. And so I never thought of myself as a sick child. It annoyed me to no end when I had a sugar low when I was a child. Everybody treated me as if I were really sick, but a lot of us with conditions of wide variety don't perceive ourselves as sick. We're different. And we have different conditions, but we think of them just as a part of who we are. And it's strange to say I take pride in the fact that it's not despite, but with all the challenges I've had, I still come out the other end in a better place than a lot of other people. That's the best I've ever heard it summed up. That's great. You share that sentiment. Yes, I do. Insert endocrine condition here. Yeah, perfect. Joey, thank you again for sharing your story. I, I think this is going to be really helpful. Mm-hmm. We appreciate you sharing your experience and your insights and some of the challenges mm-hmm. that you faced, you know, particularly with how the school handles someone who has a medical condition. So thanks so much. Uh, we're so grateful for your participation. And, you know, hopefully mm-hmm. you'll have more to share in the future. And we'll have you back. It's always good to reflect on these things too. So thank you for that. Thank you for having me. Joey, it was really great to meet you. And someday I hope my son can hang out with you. I think it would be fabulous. That sounds wonderful. It was great to meet you too. Thank you. So Stephanie, I thought that was a great conversation with Joey. He is so impressive. 
He's so confident. His parents have done a great job. And I just think he recognizes that there are challenges, but he's fine with it. He's going to take care of himself. And I loved it. Well, he's so mature and so matter of fact. It's just a condition that he lives with. I really, really love the quote that he shared about diabetes and how he equates that with his CH. I thought that was so profound and, and so spot on. And I love that he has a little posse of friends who keep an eye out for him because I think that's crucial in college. So a great guest. And he's not afraid to talk about it. I mean, he's willing to discuss it with his roommates, his friends, so that if something happens, they know exactly what to do or at least know what they're dealing with and can, you know, call someone, either his parents or call 911. And much like Leslie, there's like no stigma for him. And that's key. I think that's a key message of CAH Pulse is there should be no stigma. It is just a thing. And a thing you have to deal with. Education and awareness. You know, the fact that he wears a medical alert ID. It was interesting, his experience with the college and the medical team there and how they didn't know how to support him or didn't right. have a process in place for dealing with kids with a medical condition. And I'm sure that's extremely common. I'm sure that that happens many places. I think my child was lucky because the school doctor, I don't know what you call them, the medic of the university or whatever, he was familiar with CAH, which was great, but I'm sure that is a very rare thing. At least, you know, they're willing to learn more, not only from the patients, but, you know, the, the community at large. Dana, this was great. I can't wait for the next guest. Great. Thanks, Stephanie. CAH Pulse is sponsored by Neurocrine Biosciences. I'm Dina Matos. And I'm Stephanie Erb. And, and we, we care. care. Bye. See you next time.